Comedy and mental health don't seem like natural bedfellows, but there's really good evidence that laughter triggers the release of endorphins in your brain, boosting your mood and your mental well-being. Today, I talked to comedian and mental health ambassador Juliet Burton about the relationship between comedy and mental health and how she's using her stand-up shows to educate the world about mental health. Hi, I'm neuroscientist Dr. Ben Webb, and I want to help you cultivate a healthy brain for a mentally healthy and happy life. Welcome to episode 52 of Better Brain, Better You. How are you doing? So pleased you could join me for today's episode on comedy and mental health with Juliet Burton. If you're watching on YouTube, please do like, subscribe and hit that notification bell to hear when we release new videos. And thanks for listening in wherever you get your podcasts. We release weekly episodes for brains of all ages. But before we get started, I want to give you a free guide on teenage depression. So teenage depression is one of the most common mental health challenges for young people. So I want to give you this guide our parents guide to teenage depression and this free guide will help you to recognize the signs of depression in teenagers some of the early warning signs of suicidal thoughts and some effective strategies for supporting a teenager who is dealing with depression you can get this free guide at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash depression guide that's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash depression guide that's depression guide one word please do go and grab it I hope, it, I hope it is helpful. Today I'm talking to award-winning comedian Juliet Burton about her one-woman shows, comedy and mental health. So Juliet is a docu-comedian, speaker, writer, actor, author, presenter and mental health ambassador. Her one-woman comedy shows regularly set out the Edinburgh Festival and Juliet shares her own experiences of mental illness to support, to support and inspire other people living with their own mental health challenges and is a mental health ambassador for Rethink Mental Illness. So welcome to the podcast, Juliet. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. And um, this is exciting. Very happy to be here. Great. So you grew up on a remote farm in the middle of nowhere. I've, I've read that and heard you talk about it as well. So and one, one, of, the, one, of, the, one, of, the, one of the threads, one of the aspects of your comedy shows is you often ask people to define where they come from in five words. So could you define where you come from in five words? I'm sorry about that. I couldn't resist that question. No, it's a great question. Uh, it's a great question that you've nicked off of one of my shows. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, I like the cheekiness because no one ever asked me. I asked all these people on, on all these different shows about define where you're from, define yourself in five words. And no one ever asked me. Um, cool. So where I came from in five words, I'd say... You've already said the word remote, so I'd say um, isolated, um, isolated, uh, very green, <laughs> um, rural, um, and probably, I'm going to say alien because I felt like an alien there and, um, and probably, uh, I know it's not to describe the place. I, I will describe, I'll say the place is misfit, as in I when I'm there, I feel like I didn't didn't quite fit in. 
weird well, those are five very disconnected words potentially but um yeah thank you for asking <laughs> were your family into comedy uh, was that something no okay no not at all not at all um yeah and by the way anyone who's uh watching um well listening to this rather than watching i just shook my head so ben saw me say uh said no and the other thing is do do look at the video because i i look very red-faced at the moment and it's not i'm not embarrassed it's just i've just been for a run to look after my mental well-being um and i came back and i hadn't realized that this podcast was going to be filmed as well so i look quite that's my bad. I'm so sorry. But... <laughs> oh no, no, no! It's my it's my bad for not squeezing in a run earlier. But um, but uh, we've we've it's 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 good for the listeners and viewers to be able to um see a different version of me. If you come to the shows, I usually will be covered in glitter. Today, I'm covered in sweat. Um, but yeah, my family are. They no, they weren't into comedy. They weren't into theatre. Um, they're they're a farming family, and um, I love them to pieces. Um, but uh, yeah, we. I think from a very early age, I realised that um, my life was going to take me in a different direction. And um, they, they, they're very very uh, lovely people. But um, it this kind of world is very much not their world. So, um, but that's great because it means I can I can have my own little world, and I've got a new family um an additional family in the comedy world so there's different comedians that um i've become very very close with and um and different audience members as well and patreon supporters um and uh social media followers and um they yeah they really have become a life raft really of, of amazing people who i think all identify with the themes that i talk about in my shows um and and online and in my writing um and it's not just mental health it's also you know the struggle about being a woman and the struggle about um not quite fitting in or trying to find your authentic voice and um and you know my my background my history of uh, I was bullied when I was a kid and um, lots of my mental health uh, struggles meant that I fell out of education and um, my life didn't kind of fit the cookie cutter conveyor belt expectations that people had of me. And gradually over the years, I've got these um, amazing people that I've collected um, who are all either fellow comedians who have similar um, experiences of feeling a bit like outcasts or misfits or um, or followers or fans who f have had similar experiences and they just feel like they they belong in that group and that that's what's great, so great about comedy is it's it is this community of people um, and it's a lot like collecting all these people who don't really fit in anywhere else but actually they all belong together a bit like the Muppets because um, they're none of them look uniformly the same but they all they all absolutely belong together and they make sense together so yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so if it wasn't it wasn't there in your history, there's what was your journey to becoming a comedian? So you started out as a as a journalist. Yeah, it is. You've you've got a great great research done. Very very impressed already. Um, yeah. So I um well I fell out of education because I was in and out of hospital as a teenager, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, and then I'm in the last hospital that I was in, the last clinic I was in. Um, I. Uh, I sent a letter to a journalist that I'd read an article of saying, I really like writing, um, what would you recommend? Um, so they recommended a, uh, a course at uh, the University of the Arts, uh, London. And I studied there, um, I, I applied there with no qualifications, no A-levels. Um, I think I got had G three GCSEs that I took a year early before I went into hospital for the first time. And, um, and they, 
uh, they still accepted me because, <laughs> um, yeah, journalism turns out you just need to be good at writing. Um, and uh, so studied journalism, then did a couple of magazine jobs, uh, worked for InStyle, NME, um, a couple of other newspapers, like local newspapers, then got a job at the BBC um, at a local radio station. Uh, on a, a disability scheme. So um, having mental health conditions was um, was the reason I got to work for the BBC. Um, that, that then led me to do voiceover work because it was on radio and I had a really, I, had, I enjoyed using my voice, which led me to do more acting because my I couldn't find any journalism work because the recession had hit. Um, the first of the many recessions that we've experienced. Um, and yeah, uh, then I yeah I couldn't find any journalism work, so I kept doing acting, more and more acting, more and more voiceover work. And then as an actor, I kept getting typecast as like the love interest or the sex interest because I was because I was a woman. And it's well, I want to I want to have I have a voice of my own. So I started writing, and it turned out I I loved writing comedy because making people laugh is a great way of making people feel like they belong and help people understand you a bit better. And especially when it came to my mental health conditions. I knew that I so wanted to start writing about and, and performing about my experiences because they are so um, alternative to a lot of people's lives. And I feel passionately that I don't want anyone to feel as alone as I used to feel. So anyone out there who's experienced similar things to me or different things to me, if they come to see my shows and they hear me talking about it from an informed perspective and they hear everyone laughing about it, then they're like, oh, well, then if she's doing this, then this is okay. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not alone. And I'm, because I, I remember feeling so alien and weird and like I was the problem most of my childhood and most of my teenage years. And if there's one person out there who's seen my shows and has kind of chosen a different pathway and not, so chosen, chosen to turn towards recovery rather than towards their illness, um, then, then that's, that's, really honestly the best the best thing in the world and i just want to reach more people so that more people don't feel like alone <laughs> you talk so openly about your about your mental health is incre in incredibly brave and, and and you know just wonderful to hear to be honest and you were so when was your sort of first encounter with mental health services so you were you were sectioned for anorexia when you were 17 yeah but that, yeah that wasn't the first time that i had I, I, mental Ill health, uh, ill health, or mental health care. Um, thank you for saying it's brave. I don't think it's brave um, because that implies that there's something to be scared of, and I genuinely think there's nothing to be scared of talking about um, mental illnesses. Um, and I hope that in the future there'll be there'll be less and less um, shame around it because there there needn't be any shame. Um, it's our it's a part of our brains trying to survive extreme emotional. Um, distress um so all of the illnesses that i've been diagnosed with i'm i now can see were my it was my brain trying to survive really really difficult experiences um so uh my so when i was uh, about uh, about eight eight years old um i started exhibiting symptoms that i now understand were like um they were eating disorders um obsessive compulsive disorder depression anxiety um but and my my GP, my family GP at the time said um, to my my parents, maybe maybe she could see a see a child psychologist. But it was it was years ago, decades ago, and it wasn't the done thing to do that. So we didn't we didn't go down that pathway. Um, so then my conditions kind of morphed because that's how I imagine them is that like these these symptoms morphed into anorexia, which was diagnosed um, aged fourteen. 
So I was very, uh, I was uh, fat uh, as a child and I was using food in a different way. But then that became an obsession with losing weight because I was bullied for being fat. And um, I was weighed and measured every every school holidays at the hospital because I was very, very fat. And that just made me go straight into that um, idea of losing weight is good and gaining weight is bad, which it isn't. It isn't. And you can be you can be plus size and so awesome and and fabulous and at home in your body. Um, but it was part of that um, really ill uh, societal idea that we were all adhering to back then. Um, anyway, so diagnosed at age 14 um, with anorexia. Uh, first hospitalisation was voluntarily in uh, at age 15. Fell out of school. My, my school invited me not to return <laughs> because it was it was a one of those. Yeah, my pri it was a private school. Um, had an amazing education there, but they they were like, well, you're having we don't want we don't want somebody who's got mental health problems at the school so they invited me not to return um and uh i tried to go to different sixth form colleges and stuff but um but then during that time there was around the age of 16 so after the first hospitalization i had like I got diagnosed with a bunch of labels and I was put on all sorts of medication. So suddenly it was like, oh, you've got anxiety disorder, depression, bipolar disorder, um, agoraphobia, uh, not only anorexia, but also um, all of these obsessive compulsive disorder was another one. Just here's all these labels. And I was like, what the hell? I've got no idea who I am. I've got all these na names of things that I don't understand that that everyone's acting like I'm I'm some kind of weird weird freak that I don't I, I, I felt like nobody wanted to really fully understand what it was that I, who, who I was beneath the labels um that must be so overwhelming having so many so many different diagnoses at the same time that's be so overwhelming it was a weird year as well there was a lot going on in the world like foot and mouth disease for the for the farming community and um and some other stuff going on in, in my family's world that was just very it was a difficult time but then um then i, I was uh, sectioned under the mental health act um the following year when i was 17 so i spent my 18th birthday sectioned under the mental health act in hospital which i have I, you're smiling because i well i think i hope you're smiling because you've seen a couple of my jo jokes around that because um yeah honestly it was a lot of people might spend their 18th birthday drunk under a table and weather spoons i spent mine uh sectioned under the mental health act and i think actually i probably had the better venue than a lot of people <laughs> sorry i was smiling purely for that because i'd seen that joke <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> love that no no i love it i think that it's important to just use comedy to break the tension because it's it's people's expectations and um, trying to subvert their expectations of me. Like I, I know I sound like a Tory and I look like a Tory, but I'm not. I, I don't vote Tory at all. Um, and it's it's very important to try to subvert expectations and let people know who you are um, in a different way. Like I often begin gigs saying things like, oh, I'm very privileged to be here, but then I'm privileged in most places. Um, so, yeah, the uh, 17 was when I was sectioned. Um, and then when I was uh, 19, I went from a size, I'm trying not to use sizes anymore. I went from being very anorexic um, to being, to struggling with binge eating disorder. And it was really like a light switch just went off. Like I suddenly went from every day managing to uh, control my food with restrictive eating to eating at all hours of the day and night, being completely powerless over my ability to stop eating. I would pass out from the pain of eating. And I doubled my body weight in three months and I, I, 
I completely I was suicidal at the time because again it's that those years of who are you what's your identity where are you investing your identity and for all those years I'd had all these labels of well the one thing I knew I was was anorexic I didn't know if I was clever or intelligent or because I fell out of education or funny or I wasn't popular because no one I didn't I was losing friends left right and center because they were so scared of what it was I was going through um so I didn't know any of these other things about myself other than well I was anorexic and suddenly I didn't I wasn't that anymore so who the hell was I uh, and I just felt like a complete failure so um I I was very very suicidal at the time um and uh and then went to the next I went to well I went into NHS care um which uh, wasn't it wasn't great at the time then I went uh, to another clinic um and then and then over the course of um my early 20s continued to do therapy that I actually started to engage with um but then I was hospitalized for bulimia um in NHS care um so and then most recently this is a long long story I've forgotten the question Ben to be honest <laughs> um in my in my in my more recent years, in about the last uh, five to ten years, I've uh, I've been diagnosed with some more clear clear um, um, conditions like uh, complex post traumatic stress disorder is actually is at the root of all of my other conditions. So I've been diagnosed with thirteen different conditions in my lifetime. Uh, I had hallucinations when I was in um, in uh, when I was sectioned. I experienced psychotic hallucinations, even though I was um, sectioned for anorexia. The stress of being sectioned. Um, and the stress of the way that I was treated when I was sectioned um, meant that I, I, I suddenly had a psychosis, so started audible and visual hallucinations. Um, and that was bizarre um, and wonderful and incredible and means that I've met people who have schizophrenia that I can actually talk to in, in a way of, like, I understand a little bit more about what they, they go through, although that is a different condition that I've not been diagnosed with. Um, and, yeah, there, there's been, so complex post-traumatic stress disorder um, is the kind of the root of the tree of the rest of my conditions. I, I think like I wouldn't have developed all of those other conditions if it weren't for the tra traumatic childhood uh, experiences and multiple traumas. So not just early childhood, but also later on in, in teenage years and um, and into being sectioned even as well. So lots of I've, I've started doing trauma therapy um, with my current therapist and um, we've been doing it for a couple of years now and it's it's really really changing things um it's uncovering oh it's, it's really hard and it, it's it's unpredictable for me of I, i'm now i'm now able to identify when i'm flooded so when when i'm flooded with an emotion that isn't isn't related to the the present day scenario that i'm in but it's it's all of those old emotions that come flooded back and I and I'm starting to be able to say oh I recognize that this is something from old from from back then it isn't now um but it's and it's hard because that doesn't stop the emotions coming and it doesn't stop, stop the memories from coming um but it does mean that I'm I'm on that journey of hopefully unpacking and um identifying it and doing it in a in a, in a new way so yeah it's it's helping but it is it is it's a lot to take on board and I wouldn't be able to do it unless I'd like, I've got a great therapist I've got a really good rapport with and I really trust them so I'm um I'm it's a partnership and I've also got amazing friends um over the over the years I've they've gotten to know me and I'm able to talk to them about 
like that this is this is what I'm going through this is what I'm handling right now and it's a lot of hard work so um they're, they're really they're I'm very lucky to have the people I've got in my life I mean that's so something I often um talk about and 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 ask people who experience a lot of the mental health challenges the challenges that you are is does you know does that does having a label actually help and clearly having so many different labels you know as, as you're growing up I can imagine just that being so confusing and overwhelming but so often you know trauma is at the root you know of many people's mental health struggles and being able to tackle that and resolve that in a safe environment can be so powerful and once you as you say it's it's such hard you know such hard work but it's a, a kind of a powerful vehicle for you to you know start addressing and help hopefully helping and resolving some of those some of those struggles when you're from when you were younger yeah I think I think that labels so I did I, I did a show called defined um that was all about um labels um because uh, it was um it was one that I, I wanted to do after following the breakup of me and my uh, ex-fiance um because uh, that's a label that you know we were labeled engaged and a lot of people are labeled as married or single and so that show we sort of began I began the the journey of um talking about that label of marital status or, or dating status and uh, moving into all these other labels like the mental health labels or the diagnosis like diagnosis labels I'd, I'd hoped that I think some people hopefully cottoned on to the fact that we were trying to also talk about um other other identity labels that perhaps people aren't quite um understanding of uh, um, so the fact that we're, I feel like we're all on a spectrum. Like it's not just you're either mentally ill or you're mentally well. It's that we've we've all got mental health, just like we've all got physical health. And somewhere along that spectrum, some days I have a better mental health day, and other days I have less good mental health days. Um, sometimes you might be diagnosed with a mental illness, and that is a label that helps give you, in some ways, it gives you the the language with which you can talk about what it is you're going through. Like I've just been able to explain to you about the. Uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder that's trauma and that's now given me a better understanding of what it is that I I experience so the feelings the flooding emotions that gives me new new language that I can make sense of something that's nebulous and overwhelming and confusing and can be so easily told packaged the narrative we can tell ourselves and we can be told is that well you're you're the you're the weirdo you're the problem like if you're if you're feeling these weird things and it's and you and it's completely disproportionate then well you're you're weird rather than oh this is an absolutely natural emotional response to a trauma that you experienced when you were a child that was never never resolved and you didn't you didn't deal with it back then because you were a child so of course you didn't so so this is yeah so on one hand the labels can give you the language with which to talk about an experience you're going through um or an identity a thing a, a thing that you that you identify and say no that's a that this is a, an experience that i've i have and it helps you find your tribe sometimes so um i know that my 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 lgbtqai plus family are one of the best groups of people in the entire world and so there's there's a bunch of labels in there of like well but they're labels that help you find like some other people that might have been on similar journeys too so labels can help but it's when people only see the label or they misunderstand the label or they fear the label because they're ignorant that's when it becomes this kind of roadblock of like like there's no there's nowhere they can't see who you are beyond the label um 
So I now at the moment, yes, I've got mental health conditions, but I mean, who doesn't nowadays, right? Um, most people self-diagnose themselves all the time. Uh, but no, we. I think that for me, it's um, it's yes, I've got mental health conditions, but they don't define me. Who I am is because because of them, but also um, in spite of them. There's a lot of me that is completely me, and like I don't think I would have been. I don't. I'm. I'm going to be very sorry. There's a there's a voice in my head that says I'm about to be very arrogant and telling you the things I like about myself. But that voice, it can just shut up for a second because I'm I'm a decent person. Um, I I'm funny. I'm uh, very caring, and uh, I am I am uh, intelligent enough to put comedy shows together. Um, and I I think those things are partly because of the struggles that I've had with my mental health conditions because I think. You can't if you have depression, then that usually means that you've probably got a lot of forgiveness and a lot of understanding and a lot of compassion for a lot of other people because you know what it feels like to be that dark and that that isolated. Um, so actually, it's I think that one of the things we said in, in one of my shows is that thinking thinking of a label is like you're thinking of one side of a box. And if you pick up that box, it's not just that one two two dimensional surface like this this call that we're on right now. We've only got this two dimensional hello, but there's a three dimensional person here. So picking up that box and you've got a label on one side, say like mentally ill. Well, then there's also other labels that that will give you like if you turn it around the three dimensional cube of the box, you've got all these other sides of these other aspects of that one label. So if you have mental illness, you'll probably be very compassionate, very empathetic, um, really resilient, really strong um, and celebrating all of those things means that we can have a better, more realistic, deeper understanding of of mental illness, as well as all the other amazing labels that people can talk about at the moment. How people label you, absolutely, but also just purely from a kind of, you know, working on your mental health and understanding your mental health. It's just particularly, I think that once you get to the sort of root cause of the trauma, I think it can really help. That's 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 what I was, you know. So I have very similar experiences, and it certainly it helped me hugely, like get to that get to that root cause, the origins and, uh, and why and understand where those feelings are actually coming from. And that, you know, perhaps a lot of them come and are back in your and back in your history. Um, so you're just to step back just a second. You're so mental health, clearly like a, a huge part of your comedy and perhaps, you know, for people who don't know your work and, you know, when you when you sort of first think about this com comedy and mental health don't always seem like they would necessarily go together so but how has your mental health actually helped you to shape your comedy and the other way around as well has your comedy helped to shape your mental health as well that's a great question um yeah i well i, I think a lot of people might at first think that as you say that um comedy and mental health don't go together but so many comedians that i know have mental health struggles um because I think Robin Williams is an amazing example of somebody who he was very vocal about that, like, I'm paraphrasing here, but um, that, that to, to, to know, to know how, how sad one can be, like to know the depths of sadness is the reason why you'd want to dedicate your life to making people laugh. So for me, that's, that's where I feel my most powerful is I was talking to my therapist about it yesterday that I had this gig last week where I, I tried, it was a brand, brand new set. I think I only had two jokes in there that I'd ever tried before, like that hadn't, that wasn't, weren't brand, brand new. 
and it went so well and it was so amazing because it, being in a room where you're taking that risk of I'm I'm going to try and communicate something to you with brevity and and, and being very succinct because comedy and brevity, the, the shortest strokes are the best. Um, and being able to have as many laughs per minute as possible is also another strength um, that I have. I didn't ever used to have, but I've worked very hard over the years to and I'm still working hard to make sure that I cram as many jokes in as possible. Um, but being able to take that leap of faith of like standing on stage and saying here's here's an experience um that i've had and here's a a a new angle with which i'm trying to uh, package it for you to understand and then people laugh it's a sign of recognition and acceptance and understanding so as well as that you're making their lives happier and better and they've got all of the great um oxytocin running around in their body and their endorphins and, and everyone's connected because we're all laughing uh, and we're all aware of what the butt of the joke is so so th I think that the how it's affected it is that firstly firstly for the performance side of it um I'm very because of the the trauma actually um I'm very aware of like of like I've got hypervigilance if you've got trauma as well then you probably have hypervigilance as well so I'm like I'm constantly aware of if there's someone moving at the back of the room or they're folding their arms or or somebody's eyeline is drifting away or I'm like everything's going off in my mind like all those synapses are just firing off trying to because of the trauma because I'm like trying to assess where the next threat might be coming from but that's why it's so amazing that to be honest with you that you're doing it because for exactly that reason, I mean, I've gone through this thought process preparing for the interview thinking crikey what would it be like for me to actually do that it's amazing just because, you know, for exactly that reason. And that's why I did use the word brave because it is, it is brave. Oh no, I love it because there's, that's the thing is that actually in that moment, it's like those, those, um, that kind of, uh, hypervigilance has a purpose. So, um, I can channel it. It's got a reason to be there. So if I'm on stage and I'm doing that, it's like, I, I'm in charge. I'm, I'm harnessing that, that kind of, um, that psycho psychological, um, framework that my I'm naturally prone to 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 exist within it has a it has a reason to be so if I'm on stage with a microphone I can assess the social temperature of the room and I can involve everyone and in, and and I can make sure that everyone in the room feels included and they're a part of the group and we're all we're all in this together and I'm making eye contact with you and I know that you're going to love this joke this is for you over there and you're going to love this one and then we're going to try and get the whole room involved um and then also like being able to to um smooth over if anything goes a little bit not not wrong but like I'm not as one expects and imp improvising and ad-libs and being able to assess what kind of crowd it is and so in terms of performance I love that in terms of the um the way that I dress like I I have a completely different look when I'm on stage to when I'm off stage and I love that because it's a different armor it's a different kind of packaging of myself um and then in terms of the writing um, so I've got notepads like this, this one right here, which is um, a teeny tiny notepad. There's a specific, I have, there's certain things I love about notepads and this is one of the most perfect ones. I'll explain later, but it's very specific. Um, if I'm having a low, m low time and I'm able to sit and write either on my computer or, um, or in notepads and to find, to find a new angle on what it is I'm going through or to be able to find a way to 
to tell to to explain how what it feels like to be in in inside that experience that is a way that's packaged through the tension breaking power of comedy means that there are people in the audience that are like I I didn't realize I was learning about depression. I'm I'm just here sitting sitting here with my pint ready to have a great time and um there might be another act on the bill that's got sex jokes there might be another act on the bill that's doing fart jokes but they they're sitting there happy are happy in, because they're laughing and they came for a good night out and they happen to understand something a bit more about uh, mental illness during that time. Um it's also great to deploy it as a um as letting people know that I'm okay, like um, that deploying it in the middle of a comedy set about something completely different in a way to let people know that I'm, I'm comfortable and confident. This is, this is my truth. This is my experience. And we're going to comfortably and confidently use it to, um, to make you laugh um, from an informed perspective. So early on, it was, I identified a friend of mine, Bernard um, helped me identify as I was being asked a lot in, um, in interviews about, uh, offense like of causing offense because like so I think offense is different different to harm I think if you're harming somebody that's that's a problem with your comedy if, if so I've seen other people there are some a couple of comedians I've seen who, who've spoken about their mental well specifically eating disorders and they've given hints and tips in their sets that have left yeah hints the negative hints and tips like that have left me feeling trapped with my eating disorders in my head and very, very harmed. Like tri triggered is, is a horrible overused word. And I think that it's being used a lot like other words like woke and gaslighting. We're being gaslit about what the word gaslighting means. Like we're not using it. I think there's some people who are using it in a different way to try to undermine what it actually, what the experience of it is. So triggered is another word that I think um, it is a mental health language is a word that means something in the mental health world um so to mean that you you are it triggers an illness response um so it, it unleashes something that it calls to your illness out so i when i this, per, this particular person i'm thinking of who i won't name but was giving some hints and tips it was calling out to my anorexia and i was sitting there just thinking i i i need to get out of this room i'm i I, I'm trapped here. My my illness is is raising its monstrous head. I don't want to do that in my in my comedy. So I go. I make sure that everything that I say is in from an informed perspective. Um, is I, I'm willing to be held accountable. So if somebody sat down and said, "This joke, let's analyze it specifically. Who's the butt of the joke? Why is it okay for you to say that? Are you harming anybody in that joke?" Um, and over the years, actually, that's meant that. I think when I was early on, I didn't do that as half as much as I do now. So I'm I'm now nowadays much more confident and happy to stand by every single joke in my set. I'm proud and confident and aware who the butt of the joke is. Do they deserve to be to be the butt of the joke, or does the concept? You know, it doesn't have to be a person. It could be a concept, or or my my illness, or it could be anything. Um, they that yes, that they are okay to be the butt of the joke. Um, so informed, accountable, and what's your intention? What's most importantly, what is the intention behind the joke? So is your intention to belittle and hurt the butt of the joke, whoever they are or whatever they are? Or is your intention to inform the audience about something? And is, is, there, a, is there a dose of levity? Is there, is, does it balance out? Um, and it's just this wonderful 
um, kind of alchemy of all these things that come together. I feel my most powerful on stage and I feel my most understood on stage. Um, and I just, I've missed it so much. It's my purpose and my reason. And I'm so excited to be back on stage soon. And is it so, and how has it helped you yourself? So, I mean, <laughs> I keep saying the word brave, but it's just, when I think, when I think, when I think about it, it's just because of, so, so when you're delivering comedy, a big part of, you know, big, big part of comedy, and I'm, you know, I'm not an expert, of course, but I can imagine I've been to many comedy shows, is that, you know, is the moment and when people don't, when, when people don't laugh, you know, when people don't fight, when you, you know, when you, when you have a set that doesn't go down as well as you hoped or isn't delivered as well as you hope. So for me, I'm just thinking completely, you know, from my perspective, for me, that just triggers shame and, you know, and, 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 and all of that stuff or whatever, and I'll probably never come back again. So that's why I use the word, that's why I use the word brave. So how has it helped you? You know, how has it helped you with your own mental health? Um, um, think, I think it's a, again, a great question. I think that at the, in the early stage of my career, it it helped me have a voice. It helped me gain confidence. Um, and it helped me realise and recognise that people wanted to talk about this or, or listen about this and, and understand. Um, but over the years, I've worked harder to get funnier. So there's a few people, if, if anyone who's listening has ever seen me in my early stage career, I've worked very hard to make sure that I'm much funnier than I was back then. You are very funny. Thank you, but but honestly, back then I was still learning the gears, like learning how to. Yeah, of course, you're learning your trade. Yeah, and also I was. I think that um, a lot of people like had a lot of opportunities because of, because of the mental health story and the, the fact that people were very there was an appetite for it. Um, and I think I was trying to focus more on storytelling rather than the jokes. So the jokes weren't massively surprising, um, but I think that they were they were pushing forward progressive conversation um the the shows that i was doing was were a part of pro progressive conversation um nowadays i'm much more aware of that i want to still be a part of the pro progressive conversation but i want it to be so funny like hilarious hilarious and and keep pushing myself to get funnier and funnier and funnier so that i the, because because if the if it's funny if the funnier it is the the more the more clever like the more i can sneak in a joke is always a the truth wrapped in a lie that was my my uh one of one of my um, mentors told me that and i was like that's exactly it so i can i can package harder hitting truths if the lie if the construct of the joke is hilarious is so and it's this wonderful sugar coating of something that's very strong you can change somebody's perspective with an amazing joke um, or you can just make them laugh um and yeah i think in terms of helping me recently um i mean on, it's as simple as that it can be as simple as I'm having a really terrible day uh, with my depression or my body dysmorphic disorder getting on stage is a way of giving two fingers up to to those people those conditions or stick, giving it the finger and saying you're not going to stop me you're not going to define me I'm going to get on stage and still do this and yeah I mean there have been times when it, the, it hasn't gone as well as I'd hoped it would of course there has been but it's also taught me a lot like with running how resilient I am because I I can have a run like I can I went for a run today and it was it was a lovely run but even then I, I it's important to remember the runs that were horrible to do because I'm still a runner I'm still running so similarly with um with uh with comedy I remember those gigs where it didn't go very well 
it didn't stop me from getting back up on stage and doing it again. You're only as good as your last gig. That's perhaps an unhelpful sometimes, depending on when you when you say that uh, phrase. But it it is. There's always the next gig. There's always the next opportunity. And I mean, up until this last year, where we've not been able to gig as much. Um, usually there's always another chance to reinvent yourself. And that's what I love so much about comedy is any time I get on stage, it's a brand new group of people. Even if it's if it's exactly the same people who've been to other shows, it's a new combination in a new room, in a new way that they're all sitting. Uh, it's a new me. It's there's I've certainly, I, between gigs, I've always, something's happened to change my perspective. So there's the news. You've got to be aware of the news in case, even though I don't do a lot of um, massively satirical or newsy stuff or, or political stuff. Actually, I am very political, but I just, I wrap it up in a lie, you see. Um but it helps me it's it's helped given me my my power it's empowered me i felt so disempowered because of my um illnesses because of my experiences in the past being able to get up on stage and have this like killer set that i know is going to really it, it's given me the best chance to be as powerful and, and as strong as i can be um then it's it's a way of me reinventing who I am in in to myself in this world with this group of people every time. And I love it. It's a constant gift. Wow. Amazing. And how have how have people reacted to your openness about your mental health? Generally, um, or do you mean in, in the com comedy world? So in the com I'm thinking in the in the comedy world, first and foremost, but more broadly as well, you know, the horrible place that can be social media and, uh, you know, the broad the broader world out there. Yeah. Or just dating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, that's where my mind went. Um, I think I think that with um, with comedy, uh, as long as you're making people laugh, people accept it. I think that I probably went I went through a phase where I wasn't making people laugh as much about it. I think I was slightly focused on wanting to to tell the emotional story rather than tell the emotional story as well as make people laugh. Um, and now I've found ways of telling the emotional story as um, I'm smiling because this is new. There's there's a bit in a new set that I've been doing recently that it does tell that it, like some of the darkest darkest stuff, but it's wrapped in something that 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 it's just it, it's so much fun to perform. Please come to a show soon so you can see it. Um, but uh, the um, I think that uh, on stage in comedy, um, as long as you're making people laugh, people are very accepting. Um, it breaks down barriers if people are laughing, it increases understanding, um, it means that people accept who I am and what I've been through because they see the funny before they see the label. <laughs> um, but in, I think in comedy as well, there has been certain times where people have sort of said, packaged me as a mental health comedian and I'm like, hang on, no, 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 that's not, that's not a genre of comedy. <laughs> like that's, it's either you're funny or you're not. Um, it's a bit like it's the frustration of being called a female comedian as if it's my genitals that are getting the laughs it's they're not I think they're hilarious but other people disagree um, so I I've tried to I think in comedy I feel the most free in in real world stuff honestly um, I've tried to be really open because I think that if anybody has an issue or with my mental health conditions or my or my mental health history, then that says more about them than it does about me. And I that we're not going to move forward to a more progressive society, a more inclusive society um, where people are more able to feel less alone um, unless people like myself need we need to 
bear the brunt of of the ignorance we need to go out there and, and call out the ignorance and and be like no this is who i am and this is what i've been through and why why should i not talk about this this is this is only going to help people to understand not only me but understand other people understand themselves better um there are a lot of people i know who have undiagnosed um conditions and that leads to um the ripple effect of them affecting other people in their life negatively um and causing a lot of harm um so I think it's important that we move towards this era where we can hopefully be not only accepting, um, but also more understanding of everybody's mental well-being. Um, and I think that I think I remember when I was first diagnosed, that people called me attention-seeking. Um, people said things like, "Why did you? Why are you doing this to your mother?" Um, as if as if I had purposefully wanted to hurt specifically my mother. Like I love my mother; she's my hero, my angel. I think she's incredible, but. I, I'm not it was just it impacted all that shame and guilt that you've spoken about um that society had this horrible idea of that I had some kind of power over this and uh, over the illnesses and at the time I didn't because I was ill I was powerless with my illness um and nowadays I'd still my illnesses I've realized they're not there I'm not trying to get power over them I need to listen to them and learn from them so because they're trying to protect me from those deeper traumas or from perceived threats that aren't there um the other place dating that we mentioned da dating and also work places like i've i love the comedy world because m my mental health conditions don't they're not they're not going to inhibit me in in mental in comedy they're they're good things but when i used to work in offices i very much felt like there was a misunderstanding and discrimination and there, there still is out there um, and with dating, again, just reminds me just how much ignorance there is because um, I'll meet lovely guys and, uh, yeah, it's certainly a way to sort out the good ones from the less good ones. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I've been sectioned under the Mental Health Act and I've had to lose some if you want my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually, I've done that, actually. Once, there, was, there was a guy trying to chat me up. I was like, I'm just not interested um, in a bar. And I was just like... I don't think you want my number and here's why and it was actually a really great way to just he, he didn't ask my number after that so i was like fair enough just just uh just man eater really um i've got i have got eating disorders and man eater is one of them so <laughs> is one of them wow <laughs> so just go so i mean what i'm hearing as well is that you know so you're an educator yeah you know, it says kind of like like Language has sort of been there throughout your sort of, you know, you obviously clearly like language, you love writing. It's, you know, you're previously a journalist, big part of who you are, you know, and you, you're, you know, you're in a sophisticated way, wrapping out the, wrapping up these messages in, in comedy. You're, you know, it's, it's amazing. So you're an educator as well as, as well as a comedian. Oh, no, I love it. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kind of trying to let that compliment, because it's a huge compliment to say that I'm an educator, because I think... Well, you are. It's amazing, you know, because you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to, it's not just a hard thing to talk about, is it? I mean, it's a hard thing to communicate, I think, to people because people's, people, people have their own biases coming into the situation, you know, and so many, so many different barriers to them understanding and learning. And co this is what, what, what I loved about you. Comedy is clearly such a, you know, it's, it's a great vehicle for, for educating people. Well, I've always been fascinated by communication. Like I love, I do love writing. Um, I've always, I've always loved writing. But I just think it's amazing that we've got so many. Like, there's, I've, I've only got my experience on the world, on life, on what it means to be human, what it means to be in this specific body. 
and I want to understand what other people's experiences are and I also want people to understand my experience so how on earth do we do we tell those stories how on earth can we tell those stories and we weave our magic to be able to not only give information but also make people feel and think and kind of steer them in the way that it's it sounds manipulative but it means I feel like it's I'm looking for connection um rather than manipulation so trying to let people know what it is that I'm trying to get them to to understand about me and therefore hopefully understand about themselves I'm also very interested in in researching with my shows as well like I love listening to other people's stories afterwards in bars when I'm on tour, meeting the, the, these amazing people who want to come and come and chat, share their stories. And the number of people who have such similar stories, but they're in such slightly different ways. And I'm like, oh, this person that I met in Australia when I was on tour out there is just like this person that I met in Birmingham. And they, they've had exactly like if they met, they'd be like best friends and they just know each other so well. Um, so yeah, it's having this amazing group of like the Muppets kind of creating all of these incredible people that, um, connect with each other. But going back to the comedy, where, what were some of your favorite comedy gigs? I mean, at the moment, honestly, the, the most recent one is, is my favorite because it's the most recent and I took so many, um, so many risks in it and it's just a new material night in a pub. The best shows are the ones where somebody, you'll see somebody in the crowd and they're like, it's changed them. And the last gig that I did last week, I took so many risks in with this new material and it all paid off and it was all, it just it's made it's just given me that kind of new energy that new kind of lease of life of like keep going this is exactly the right place for me i'm never going to give up this is exactly what I need to do with my life there's nothing else for me i i love this this is this is exactly where i belong so where can we see your latest shows i've got some new material nights i'm doing in london at the moment um that are like 10 minutes 20 minutes and people if you can come you'd be very very welcome um i will be i've also got some um little uh, so hour-long shows that are going to be at uh, the museum of comedy it's being filmed on the 22nd of july um in london and holborn which is easy to get to if you are up for traveling um guildford fringe uh bed fringe uh, and then later on in this year, we're going to be doing more touring shows in the autumn. And then um, next year, hopefully, if we can get the funding, um, I'll be doing an, another slightly bigger tour. And we have just found out that we've got funding for research and development of a brand new show. So next year, so many shows I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing them with power and more laughter and more more research. Um, if, if people want to find out more. My website is julietburton.co.uk uh, and there's a whole page with shows, show details on there. Uh, Juliet spelled with two T's and an E and Burton's uh, spelled like Richard Burton or the menswear shop, depending on your references. Uh, yeah, we'll, li we'll, li we'll link to it in the podcast notes. So. Please do, please do. Um, and yeah, social media as well. Come and find me on social media and ask me where and when you can see me because um, that would be great. Or you can watch me on Next Up as well, but they are old shows. Next Up Comedy is amazing, but uh, it, they are old shows and I've gotten a lot funnier since then. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned um, running. So is that one Is that one of, that's one of mine for sure. I love running and like uh, out there three times, three times a week when I can be to, helps certainly helps in my mental health is that one of your outlets is that does that help you 
definitely definitely um, I so I'm I'm hypermobile so I all of my joints are double jointed like every every single one of them so I I was always told don't do high impact sports um and I I've I've got like I'm very bendy and wobbly and I'm not a natural runner I look really weird when I'm running I don't get I don't care at all I was about to swear and I was like I maybe I shouldn't uh, I don't care what I look like when I'm running um because I feel powerful I love I love I love running um because it it gives me purpose it's how, how it makes me feel I feel powerful I feel um I feel stronger I feel I, I feel more resilient it it gives me time on my own to uh to to let go of all of this I, if I'm feeling angry I can take it out on the pavement if I'm feeling sad then it just gives me time alone to try to turn that around um I love I love it um so yeah for sure running especially in the last I've only been doing it for two years um I'm not a fast runner I I love long distance running because it just gives me longer on my own <laughs> um and it's my own it's my own peace of mind and gives me some sort of form of achievement and it also I run regular charity runs so it gives me um another another way to feel like I'm contributing to the world um better by raising money through um through charity runs um so yeah, running other things. Would you like me to tell you the other things that help me with my mental well-being? Yes, please. Well, I've, so I've been on medication in the past. I'm not currently on any medication, but medication can and has helped a lot. Um, where mm. used at the right time with the right uh, GP helping guide me through uh, the dosage and how it will affect me. But at the moment, I'm not on any. Um, at the moment, um, I'm learning a lot about self-care. Like I. I thought self-care was bubble baths, which I hate bubble baths. I think they're awful. I, I thought that was... Also, what, what, I just, I'm sitting in my a stew made of my own dead skin. Why, why is this? And the water's getting cold and I feel like I'm drowning. Like, I know, it's not nice. It's horrible. So, um, I, like, I like feeling warm, which is, again, like, if I'm running, I'm only going to get warmer during the run. So that's good. Um, so I realized that self-care wasn't bubble baths and candles. It was more like identifying what makes me feel powerful. Sometimes self-care is dedicating some time to doing my taxes, you know, or or tidying up. Um, so making sure that I do those little um, those those little things that are uh, what's the word? They're like um, they're not big, huge self-care treats. They're um, they're little um, maintenance self-care. Um, I love being out with dogs. So I, I dog sit and dog walk. Um, I, I did it uh, during the pandemic to try to pay some bills. Um, but as things start up again, and hopefully I get my, my career properly moving again, uh, I think I'll still try to offer some time because dogs help so much. Animals generally help incredibly. Um, and I think I'm hoping that the world will do more research into proving that, that animals have a great uh, uh, role to play in mental well-being for us. Um, seeing friends, talking to friends, being with friends physically, um, being able to those that social temperature, that uh, hypervigilance thing. When you're with friends, you're able to con connect in a way that doesn't need language. It doesn't need it's a different nonverbal communication. Um, and uh, getting out there to see other other comedians, to laugh, to um, to be around those people that will make make me laugh um, is is really important as well. I also love reading, but I haven't been reading very much recently. I've I've been finding it hard to sit with my thoughts. So um, finding time that identifying what it is that gives you that feeling of empowerment or peace or um, 
or if like I've identified that warmth is something that I really need so I need to dress warmly so that I that will help me not get stressed and anxious and tense and um, it does actually impact my mental well-being because I'll feel more anxious if I'm cold um, so and and regular so nutrition is a big thing for me as well so um, eating regularly eating every four hours making sure I have a varied diet um, learning about nutrition over the years has really helped me uh underpin my like my ongoing journey of recovery with my eating disorders because they are always going to be there and they're always going to be whispering but if i stay physically active running cycling feeling that freedom physically i need to fuel my body to be able to do those things and also i need to fuel my body to get up on stage and do the thing i love most um the opposite of happiness is the opposite of depression isn't happiness the opposite of depression is purpose so i need to fuel my body i need my, to fuel my body to make sure that I can achieve my purposes. Wow, amazing advice. <laughs> that's just wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for that. So, no, thank you so much for talking to me today, Juliet. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. And uh, thank you so much. Really lovely to talk to you too. Thank you so much for having me. So thanks so much to Juliet for talking to me today. I really enjoyed our discussion about comedy and mental health. And if you want to watch one of Juliet's shows, you can catch her on the 6th of August at London Gateshead Festival or at the London Museum of Comedy on the 7th of October. Thank you so much for tuning in today and I will look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>